Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. From everybody else. My deep ball, it has a little secret sauce to it, man. <laughs> I never get too high, never get too low, but just keep moving. You know, the whole story is Carlos never beat me in any kind of sports in, in, in high Gotta watch the phone. Welcome to the Orange is the New Black podcast. I'm your host, Ace Boogie, joined by my co-host, Zim. Zim, say what's up. What's up? We are here. We are live. We are ready to talk about Bengals football. It's been a while, people. Did you miss us? And as you guys see, this is the training camp video. This is going to be me and Zim coming to you guys live. It's been a while since we did that. But the video is courtesy of Cincinnati Bengals Talk. Just want to make sure that we give them their proper credit there. Um, So if you see the highlights moving in the background, that's courtesy of them. Uh, But Zim, we got a couple of things to talk about, obviously, with training camp gearing up, uh, you know, this week for the most part. So things that we want to talk about. The first thing that I kind of want to talk about, obviously, is kind of what we've talked about this entire offseason with the wide receivers, right? Uno and the rest of the Migos. So Tyler Boyd came out today and said that he feels that they can all have a thousand yards receiving for the season. Obviously, we've talked about this point a multitude of times. But in my opinion, I think that it is very real that they can do this. You're talking about Joe Burrow coming back off of uh, his his surgery and things like that. And last week we talked to Pro Football Doc, which if you haven't watched that one, please go back and check out that. There was some great insight on there. But he seemed to say that Joe Burrow's knee injury probably wasn't as catastrophic as some like a Carson Wentz or people who have had those injuries before. So I can see why Tyler Boyd would jump out there and say that he feels like this receiving core could potentially come out with three 1,000-yard receivers. Um, but, Zim, what are your thoughts on that? I, I mean, for me, uh, I, I don't see a reason why they wouldn't be able to. I know it seems a little far-fetched because, you know, not too many trios have ever done it, but I just feel like the 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 setup for it is just so perfect, you know, like you're you're in a pass, you know, pass oriented offense where Bill Callahan, I mean, I said Callahan stared earlier today that, you know, they want to be more balanced, but it is what it is. But I just think the target share is going to be there. The wide receivers are there. And I just think, why not? You know, I could see a scenario where CJ Uzama, though, cuts into that, too. And then you don't have three thousand dollars, three thousand yards. Yeah, no, I, I could see that as well, especially with CJ coming back off of the Achilles injury. So definitely will be interesting to see. Um, another thing that we kind of talked about too, uh, we looked at the offensive line. Obviously, the wide receiver and offensive line have been big subjects uh, throughout the offseason. and obviously uh, the Bengals are out there with a starting lineup right now that does not include. Jackson Carmen has been a, a big talk around uh, the local media and among some of the fans. Me personally, like I understand where people are coming from because it's like you did use a second round pick on them. 
Uh, but I think it's too early for us to say that, you know, he should exactly be starting um, just from day one, in my opinion. Now, that could be a concern, right, because he hasn't played right guard before in his career outside of, I think, a few a few uh, times in high school, maybe early on um, at uh, Clemson. But he really doesn't have a pedigree as a guy that is expected to really know the right guard position immediately. So I'm hoping that what this is is obviously this is open to the to the public and media. We don't know what the next couple of weeks will entail. So to me, if we get into like, let's say the third week or the second week or something like that, and he still isn't getting any snaps with the first team, then I'm somewhat worried. But I think some of the lineups that I saw, it seemed that they moved Xavier Suofilo and uh, Quentin Spain in different places, at least there. So to me, maybe it's that they're still trying to figure out where his role is going to be at or what they're going to do at the right guard position. It doesn't even seem like they figure out figured out which one in terms of Quentin Spain, where he's going to play at. Uh, but Zen, what are your thoughts on that? For me, you know, I, I made a tweet earlier where I was just saying like the optics on it. You know what it is for me? It's almost like a mental conditioning for people where I just want people to know like good teams hit on their first their second round and their third round picks and they contribute to the team like year one. As I have no problem with Pollock saying Hey, this guy's got to earn his, you know, his stripes and everything like that. But for me, a scary thing that will happen is that we go into the situation where Xavier Sulafilo or Quentin Spain, or yeah, let, let's just say Xavier Sulafilo, because I think Quentin Spain probably would get the left guard spot. Let's not let's not forget that Jackson Carmen was drafted to be the eventual starting right tackle, and this year play right guard and that's why they drafted him where they drafted him if he wasn't going to get drafted if he would if they would have waited and drafted somebody else and we had the luxury you know of saying hey we if the guy develops into this we, we, we're going to groom along we, we don't have that luxury coming off of a 4-1 season in my opinion it's like you got a hit and a lot of people was making the comparisons of joe mixon uh, early on, they were like, well, he was third on the on the depth chart and stuff like that. But, yeah, he had Gio Bernard and and, uh, and um, Jeremy Hill in front of him, like two proven, you know, guys. Like, you got career backups, like, in front of this dude. And I'm just – maybe it's just my fear is that we go into the season and this guy isn't, you know, lit. And, and then it will come back to me where – 90% of people watching this right now, you weren't thinking Jackson Carmen until Jackson Carmen came off the board. We all did our mocks. We all went through this a million times. As we learned more information, I was cool. Jackson Carmen's the guy. Let's go. Let's run it. You know, whatever. But in my opinion, I feel like the Bengals went against the grain by picking by picking Jackson Carmen to this day. They can't convince me, uh, you know, like any anything else. So one thing that you were telling me before the uh, draft is like, hey, the Bengals don't do a really good job at picking that offensive line. And, and to me, it's almost like that's like a Billy Price situation. It's like this guy can't beat out other people in there. And they were like, oh, well, we got, you know, we got these other guys that, you know, could maybe do it. Like, no, he was drafted to start. And, you know, like, yeah, he needs to earn his thing. But Jamar Chase right now, the difference is he's out there and he's taking a lot of reps with the with the ones. He doesn't take all the reps with the one because there is this rookie initiation thing or whatever. 
Auden Tate uh, slides in and takes in reps with him. And I say that to say this. If we're going to say that this guy should be out there, Jackson Carmen, and, and, and to pick him that high, he needs to get mentally prepared for that. And that's not a Michael Jordan situation where you're taking somebody and forcing them out there. The talent level at that part of the draft says that he should be out there and he should have no problem beating Alex Xavier Sulaville. So maybe I jumped the gun. I think I wrote a tweet too. And I was just like, man, like the optics aren't on this, uh, aren't that good, but I might, I kind of misread it too. And that's my mistake where I'm just that, like, I'm looking at the starting lineup that they have out there. But at the same time, I'm just like, I just don't want to read some stupid story about, you know, like growing pains and transitioning to a position because the talent level at that spot, was so high that you didn't have to do that. Like, if you look around the league and you look at the Redskins, uh, what's the kid that they drafted? The, the one of the guys that we were saying is that uh, why? Oh, Sam Cosby and stuff like that. Guys around the league that got drafted in that same spot are going to be starting. Like, they have the same pool of people in front of them too. Same backup, right. Xavier Sula, Philo level guys, and they're going to be starting. So it is like a jump the gun type of moment for me. I think. Yeah, no, nah, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. I know, you know, I'm not trying to make excuses for him. I know that Carmen did have some kind of back surgery or something like that. I don't know if that's playing into it as well. We'll have to see. But like you said, like, obviously, I think this weekend, Camp Tomorrow is open to the public, right? So we'll get the fans to actually be able to see what's going on. Um, but with that, let's also talk about the depth at center and guard. It seems that Austin Ryder, it seems that he left Cincinnati without a deal. In my opinion, I think that that was a little bit of a mistake, but it could be that he was asking for too much money. Um, so how do you feel about the current depth right now at the center in the guard position? I, I don't think it's good enough, actually. And, and for me, uh, one of the things I was told from somebody in the building is that they wanted to take a look at his knee. So that was one of the one of the main things. The second thing that I was told is that I think when he came there, he was coming there, you know, and of course, he if he waits it out, he might can get a starting center job. But when Trey Hopkins starts off and he's fully cleared, you know, like, you know, that that's probably not as desirable for him. So I don't think that's on the Bengals for not wanting him or whatever. I just think like maybe it didn't line up and maybe it could line up. Maybe Trey Hopkins doesn't show him everything that, that they need to show him like in the next couple of weeks. Because as again, we're saying he just tore that ACL week 17. So you know, there's a lot of possibilities that could still happen. Another guy that's still out there um, is Easton, and he kind of fits the same mold too. Uh, guard center, interchangeable piece. He's still out there, and he's to be had as well. And I feel like maybe a, a little smidge under uh, Austin Ryder, but that's a guy too that's still out there that I'm like, why don't they, you know, at least bring him in for, for tryouts at the very least? Or they did. Oh, yeah, they did. Didn't they do that one time? I gotta look that up. They yeah, did. Yeah, I think they did have they they were linked to him at least at yeah at minimum. Uh, they did end up signing another guy, Gunner. Uh, they also they also ended up uh, claiming another guy, Gallup, from from the Cardinals. Yep, uh, and he's but, and he had three starts under his belt too. He's he's about in his third season, Gallup. So they're getting they're getting some depth there. Obviously, I talked to um, a Kansas City guy that was familiar with Ryder and. I think Ryder was expecting that he was going to get paid a lot of money just because of the market. And the market kind of has told him that, you know, that hasn't been the case. So it could be the case that, 
you know, I know Zim, we were talking and you had shared like that, you know, potentially the money that he was looking for probably wasn't there um, from the Bengals in terms of what they wanted to offer and what other teams are wanted to offer. So that could be one of the reasons that he's still out there on the market. But like you said, if Trey Hopkins was going to be the starter, Ryder has only played center. That could have been a, you know, backup situation for him. So, yeah, I, I definitely hear what you're talking about there. The depth, I think, is it's somewhat of a concern, but we'll have to see how this plays out. Obviously, uh, with uh, Hakeem Adenogy potentially coming back at the end of the season, we'll have to see how that works after talking with Doc on his kind of status from an injury standpoint. So we'll just have to see. Um, it's something that I feel a little bit better about, but I just think that we really would have been able to put it to rest with like an Austin Ryder or maybe uh, one of those other guys that are out there. So we'll just have to see. The other depth concern that we have is edge rusher. You kind of touched on it a little bit. So talk to me about and give your thoughts about the depth at defensive tackle because we did have a, a defensive tackle um, kind of pull his hit me this week. You know, the starter that we had there with Larry Ogunjobi. Um, and obviously that was a, a big issue for us last season with DJ Reader and all those guys going down. And obviously edge was an issue as well. How do you feel about the depth of that position? Same, I'm in the same boat. It's where, you know, part of my day is about, you know, like what I do for a living is ruling out variables. And I looked at a lot of the different things that happened to us this past season. And a lot of it, they got to a point where the depth was so bad that it just made it so that it was a complete wash. Okay, let's finish out the tank job and let's, you know, like, let's just get healthy, right? But say you don't have that. Say you have one or two guys down. You don't want to put yourself in a situation where you're just searching for that one guy. What do we know from this offseason about the edge position? I know that most of the other teams in the division, most of them got a little bit better. Some of them still on the same level. I know one thing about us is that's the one position group that I hammered down all the last season and said that this is a very weak group. They didn't do anything to better themselves to me. Like, there's no – I don't think – but I show of hands in the audience tonight. Who thinks that uh, Trey Hendrickson is offering more than what Carl Lawson is? Most people, when Trey Hendrickson got signed, most people said, well, he got a bunch of cleanup sacks on the strength of the, the line and the, and the guys that they have there at the Saints. What you're trying to emulate for him for the Bengals is to give him two other competent, really good rushers. What you're looking at right now on paper is Joseph Osai has to give you four to five sacks like year one if that's the plan for your third down package. If not, let's not kid ourselves. I love Sam Hubbard to death. People take this as a shot at me, but Sam Hubbard is not giving 10, 12 sacks per year. So when you go against the best of the best, you go against the miles um, – I'm sorry. When you go up against the best tackles in footballs, it, like like the Browns had the best offensive line in football. You need elite athletes. You need to throw multiple bodies at them. You don't need some guy that you're just relying on saying, well, he can stop the edge and he's really against, good against the run. Cool. That's step one. How do you become a lot better than that? Give me another athletic guy that can give me at the very least 15, 20 snaps a game. That's something that has to be had. And if you're kidding yourself and you're saying Joseph Osai is the answer to that, and he hasn't even played it down. If we look at any other team from the from the outside looking in, you see a rookie come in, you took a flyer on him, third, fourth, fifth round or something, you're going to look at him and like, ah, who's that guy, right? But don't put your Bengals goggles on people and say, okay, 
Joseph Osai is here and he looks like Carl Lawson and naturally he looks really good. Me and Ace were talking about this. He's only been playing Ace for one year. He was a linebacker before then. What did you do in the offseason? This is the part of if, if people are just now getting with us is that people caught me in the Jamar, Jamar Chase stage and they forgot who I really was. Like, I'm a realist. I know that in the offseason, like, I know I got I, – I, I know I got a trio of wide receivers that are going to kick ass, so I'm going to let you know about that every step of the way, and I'm going to yell it from the mountaintops. But I'm going to also look at our edge position and say it was very poor last year, and it didn't get any better. It is built on hope, and I believe in side. I think Henderson is going to be a dog too, but he doesn't have the athletic build. He doesn't have the athletic nature or the, the, the attributes that a Carl Lawson has. I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that. And then uh, and Sam Hubbard has never been that. And you lost Carlos Dunlap, who probably could have gave you three, four sacks if you're saying he was washed, right? You didn't do anything to replace that. So what have I been saying, Ace? Go get Chandler Jones. And um, I think somebody wrote that in the chat. But I think um, the Xavier Howard news came out uh, where he wants to get a trade. And I just think that that's just so far-fetched compared to Chandler Jones, where I think, 31-year-old guy coming off of all season. Maybe the value, his value isn't really, really high, but this guy is a, a potential Hall of Famer, and he's only 31 years old. If you put his sack numbers up against anybody else, the, the contract doesn't look amazing. He's looking for one more payday, but the Bengals have the money to give somebody one more payday. And I just think that all good rushers, I tell Ace that every once a week, all good teams have three good elite rushers. Oh, Joseph Osai sounds good on paper. Say he gets dinged up or anything like that. I just don't like the depth at that position. Yeah, I think I think you made a great point. Obviously, when we talk about defensive tackle, I think the tackles from last season to this season, I think they've tried to improve some depth there. I really think that they really did some things there, especially with Josh Tupo coming back. You talk about Shelvin being in the mix there. Uh, tons of guys that can feel that that side of it. The only thing is they don't really have too many three techniques, right? So Larry Ogunjobi is expected to play that. If they don't get that from him, I'm not sure if they plan on playing reader there or what they end up doing there. So um, slight concerns, but not really as much for me, especially if you talk about nose tackles, you talk about Renell Rim being back, even though he's going to play the defensive end in the big dime package. So I think that they're set at um, D tackle. I think that they're just being cautious. And Mike Daniels can get after it a little bit, though, right? Mike Daniels, yeah. Mike Daniels is definitely who they would actually play there. Thank you for that, Zim. So yeah, Mike Daniels would definitely step in, and that's the advantage of having a veteran like Mike Daniels that has been a starter and has played at an elite level. A lot of people forget that he was an NFL top 100 player, and that's voted by the fans. That's not a grade or anything like that, right? So he is definitely an adequate guy um, that could step in and definitely fill, fit the bill and split those reps with Larry Ogunjobi if need be. When we're talking about the edge, and I talked to Zim offline about this, like he just said, it's a, it's a question mark. It's not that they don't have people there. It's not that they don't have potential there, but they have a lot of potential. They don't have something that's a sure thing like a Chandler Jones would be. So when you look at it from that standpoint, yes, a lot of people are going to say, hey, Ace and Zim, there's no way that they're going to sign a Chandler Jones. We're not sitting up here saying that it's going to be realistic that they're going to go out and do that, but we do believe that they should do that. Now, obviously, you do have guys that you've already paid with Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard, so that could argue against it, and obviously, they still have to pay Jesse Bates, which could be some big money there, 
So I could see them using that as a reason to not pay him. But given the circumstances with the season already starting, it's potentially majority of that money could be paid by Arizona. So you could be, in fact, getting Chandler Jones for a smaller portion of the cap, whereas being on the hook for all of that money. And I think, honestly, it would be a smart idea for them to do that because Chandler Jones, like the guys like the Chase Youngs and, and the guys that come off the edge, the TJ Watts and the Miles Garretts, yeah, you could try to wait until next year to land one. But the odds of you getting one of them is very slim. It's extremely slim. Even when you talk about the corner position with Xavier Howard and stuff like that, like the, the, the possibility to get a lockdown corner and an edge rusher like that is, is tough. And so I definitely think that they need to make calls. I definitely need, think that they need to evaluate their roster. And I think that you would make the move now and figure it out later. You know, obviously the Bengals handle their stuff a different way. They do rollovers and things of that nature. So yeah, it might not feel like that, but if you really want this to be a team that's going to be set up in the future to win even next season and, and make that championship run, Chandler Jones is a guy that you would add to that nucleus. Now he's unhappy with his contract. Obviously, you know, who knows how they do contracts there in comparison to Cincinnati. It might not be a good fit, but I think you even try, even if it's a one-year rental or something like that, I think you still have to go after them and do what you can. And I think that when you add someone like Chandler Jones, you just know that this team is probably headed towards 40 to 50 sacks. I mean, with that potential that we have stacked on with Chandler Jones, I think you could easily say the right. pass rush is fixed now. And, and and with the like, if anybody knows, like, let me tell you about Sam Hubbard's uh, contract. On it, it looks like a ten million dollar base, you know, salary, right? On average, right? right? But it's a six point right. five salary cap hit. Bengals right. are listed for two thousand twenty two to be the third most cap space out of any team in the National Football League. With that's players coming off the books. All that type of and stuff. And the Hendrickson like contract, they can get out of early. Not saying that they will, but they could potentially get out of it as early as next year. You you got to look at that, too. And then the dead cap hit on uh, Trey Wayne, say that that doesn't work out or whatever like that. They got they got money to spend. And Chandler Jones' contract at 31 years old on this part of his career would be – this is what I've been talking about, like, all, all season, all every single year is – Bengals have to get in the habit of getting players at at, at low at, at its lowest so, uh, stop point, because a lot of times there's like this false hope when you bring in, uh, I what, what was I talking about like Dan Wilkerson or somebody like later on like right. buying names and stuff like that. Chandler Jones is at this point of his career where the amount of work that he's done is warranted. Yeah, he has a name, but he's not over the hill. He had one bad season, and you don't have to give up much to get him. Like, it's a unique scenario where I just think that if they had the right people talking and whatever, it wouldn't be a it wouldn't be a high-risk type of thing, and you don't stunt the growth of anybody because you tell him he's coming in on third down, like every single third down, 20 snaps, Chandler Jones, and then, you know, you're going to rotate. Of course he's going to play, you know, you play the Chiefs or something like that. You know, like he's going to get more snaps in those games. So it, it's – it's a perfect scenario. I just think that they have the money. They have over, they have 20.85, almost 21 million in cap space after rookies are paid right now. It's not a crazy right. deal to do it, especially if Cardinals are willing to take some of that, some of that hit off of it.
Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I know um, we also were going to be scheduled to have our man Steven on. He's experienced some technical difficulties, but I did want to get in some of his thoughts. He says, Xavier Howard and Chandler Jones are not coming to the Bengals, so people can stop talking about them. Again, uh, Xavier Howard should at least Xavier Howard no at least way. pick up the phone. Xavier Howard, um, the only, the difference with Xavier Howard is you the conversation starts with a first round draft pick. You're you're doing a Mika Fitzpatrick if you get on the phone with Xavier Howard. The biggest part that anybody that's listening to this that was hoping for Xavier Howard is the difference is the money allocated at the position. You just paid a Wouzier and you got this crazy contract for Trey Wayne's. Unless they're willing to take Trey Wayne's, which I don't think anybody in the NFL would take that contract. Do they like the player? I'm sure they, they think he's solid, but nobody wants that contract. And so Bengals, to me, it's a non-favorable contract, which is different than the Chandler Jones one, whereas you'd be setting him up almost like how you're setting up Riley Reef. It's like, hey, look, you do really good. We'll reward you or whatever. But what you're paying a 31, 32-year-old edge rusher at that point in regards to the rest of the league is totally different than somebody like Xavier Howard. You're giving up the first round draft pick, and then you're saying we he and he was already letting you know I want to be the highest paid player at my position, which the Bengals don't want to do. They don't even want to make Jesse Bates the highest paid person at his position. So like it doesn't even make sense. And somebody else gave me a scenario. Well, we keep Trey Wayne's. What NFL cornerback is going to come here and get paid that type of money and split reps? That doesn't happen in the National Football League. Teams that have a abundance of corners, that third corner is a slot corner. Go look at the Ravens roster. Go look at the Steelers roster. There are three corners. You got a left, your right, and then you're in your slot corner. Like it, nobody has two starting right corners or two starting left corners, and you make it work. Like that doesn't work, especially a guy like Xavier Howard that you put on an island. Right. I mean, for me, if they could do it, I would do it because. Xavier Howard, if you talk about like just giving up a first round pick for him, I don't know what the financials are if they trade him, how how much the Dolphins would have to be on the hook. Obviously, the Bengals probably aren't going to make him the number one paid corner or something like that. But if we're, if it were me, I think Xavier Howard is probably a more sure bet than a first round corner that you're taking next year. But like Zim is saying, like they're not going to give the money up for him to be the top paid corner in the league. So they're not going to pay him more than a Jalen Ramsey and and that's probably what Miami is saying. We're not going to pay you more than Jalen Ramsey, who's a lot younger than you and is considered to be better than you. But I think Xavier Howard is a great talent. Uh, but 28 years old, I don't know if I want to commit that much money to somebody about to be knocking on 30's doorstep. Um, so let's go ahead and move on. Let's move to the offensive side of the ball. And Chris Callahan has some pretty interesting comments on Chris Evans. And he also says that he doesn't think Puka – isn't isn't really a running back so what are your thoughts just on our man chris evans which we were both high on um and, and puka and his role going forward chris evans is a is a is a crazy talent that that people are going to see like he's going to hit the ground running like excuse me i i even it's so crazy our on um, my fantasy program that i use i use a a a, a program called uh fantasy pros or something like that to do like some of my mock yeah. And they had a big yeah. article on it that they were saying Chris Evans is, um, you know, potentially like a guy to like go get as a late sleeper. And um, they had a lot of different uh, metrics and things that, that were supported because running talent. He's awesome. Michigan pass blocking. 
he was pretty damn good too. So if he goes into camp and just outshines like P. Ryan, I could see a situation where he's like, you know, he's already going to be the guy that they're going to call in to, you know, run some of that stuff that Geo does, even though I know that they're saying they want to get mixing all of that. They can't mm -hmm. give him all of that. Like Chris Evans is going to be the guy that sometimes maybe catches the pass out of the play out the backfield. I think early on it'll be P. Ryan, you know, mixing in Evans right on the depth chart going into a game. You might see Chris Evans playing uh, special teams at, at the very beginning and maybe three to five snaps a game. But in those three to five, if he if he shines, they they call a screen or anything like that. Like P. Ryan, you know what I'm saying? Like might get dropped down a depth chart. I think it might even happen before then. I really like his game. The Puka one is crazy because I think they're looking at the size and saying like, hey, he just doesn't – he's not big enough to sustain this in the National Football League. But he catches the ball so well. There's a picture that's going around the internet today. He had a guy like turned around. I wish I would have sent it to you before the show. He had a guy like turned around. He he was looking phenomenal today. He's wearing uh 36, right? Or 26. I think it's 36. But I don't know if you had that highlight on here. I haven't been really watching that. But he was no. he, he was out there with the wide receivers. They were doing a drill. Um and, and look, I got the world calling Ari, I, I got the world calling Jamar Chase Uno because I seen the Bengals just Uno, Uno, Uno. I'm like, that's crazy. Anyway, Uno going through the whole uh, this this. Oh no, it's another one. It's another drill where the guy standing right there behind the cones. You throw the ball in between the cones. The guy standing there trying to break up the pass right there. Higgins dropped his. Uno caught his. Tyler Boyd caught his. Uh, I forgot the other kid. 14. He dropped his. Puka goes through it so smooth, catches it. I mean, he looks like a wide receiver coming out of that thing. And it was like the toughest uh, wide receiver drill. But he nah, he definitely – he, he could catch. I just think the depth chart is going to be hard for him to suit up. I just don't see how you can – you know, how, how, how can you – yeah, how can, how can you get him out there? Yeah, there he is. How could you get him out there? This, and, and everybody that's watching this, this is courtesy of my guy, single, uh, Cincy Bengals Talk. This is Cincinnati the, Bengals talk, James Rapine. Yep, this is uh, today's practice. Um, but uh, how do you get them out there if you got three running backs that you're bringing out there on Sunday? Your wide receiver chart, you know you're going to carry eight, right? At the most. Can he, you know, can he, get, can he beat out Trent, Trent Irwin? And, and if so, he's got to contribute on special teams. And usually guys that small, you know, I don't know. You know, it's, it's, it's tough to get them out there. Yeah, I think I think Puka's just a football player. I think Chris Evans is definitely in the shot some this season. But uh, we got to talk about Joe Burrow and him wanting to get hit in the preseason. Uh, me personally, when I listen to Mike Brown, Mike Brown does not want uh, Joe Burrow to be out there. And I understand both sides of the situation. I can completely understand because that's his biggest asset. You know, if you have a Lamborghini, you might not want to go in and rent it out to somebody to risk it getting in a car wreck. Uh, before you make some some good money off of it, right? Um, and so I think that's where he's coming from. But to me, I think it kind of seems like from the Zach and the and the Joe side, it seems like Joe wants to play. I, I mean, I understand why he wants to play because mentally he has to be able to get out there and step onto the field and just get that game type feeling, even if it's just a series. I think a series is a great compromise for both sides just to see what he can do out there. Um, now, I don't I don't think he should get hit on that series, but I think he should at least try to go out there. You can't control what's going to happen. Right. Uh, but um, I understand why Joe wants to get out there in the preseason. And I also understand why 
Mike Brown and might keep him from doing that. So what are your thoughts on him wanting to get out there? I think that that just shows mentally that he's just different. But what are your thoughts on Joe wanting to get out there and get hit? I just think it would be a national field day, everybody killing this, uh, killing our organization, killing everything about us if Joe were to get hurt. It's not worth the risk to me. Tyler Boyd went out there today and said that he thinks that Joe should at least get out there for one series in the preseason. For yeah, me, and <laughs> the dog in me is saying, yeah, like, you know, Joe says, you know, but – this is the thing that I know about our fans. This is the thing I know about football in general is that everybody not willing to live with the consequences. I am. You know, if he got hurt, I'm, I'm mentally prepared that anybody can get hurt. Our fans are not. They would kill Mike Brown and they would burn down the stadium if he got hurt. So why even chance it? Just, just yeah. you know, just just wait, you know, and, and I know everybody's like, Zam, you sound like a pussy. What happened to you in the all season? Like, just wait, you know, like it is what it is. Like, I, I'm a new man these days, Ace. I'm 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 I've toned down my act and I've I've gotten smarter <laughs> and, and I just I want to protect the merchandise. So I don't want nobody to touch them. I don't want nothing to happen. I just want them to go smooth as possible because I know our fans are unforgiving and they don't care how it happens. And I really care about the fans, too. I, I, I talk to James all the time. He'd be like, why do you care about what the fans think so much, especially with the Jackson Carmen uh, thing and everything like that? I'm like, do you know what the fans would do? And he's like, why do you care? I'm like, because that's a big part of what I think we are. Me and you get to talk and do things that a lot of fans don't get to do. And I know how, I, and I know how our fans are. Like, when something happens, somebody gets hurt. It is like World War Three, so you know, like I'm, 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 I'm putting, I'm compartmentalizing that, and I'm putting that in my, in my heart today for today's show. Do not touch Joe Burrow. Let Joe Burrow come out week one. Guns are blazing. Let him go hard on eleven on elevens. Let him do all that stuff like that. Like yeah, I don't. No, I, I'm with I, you. I mean, I, I know that refs won't even protect them. Too say somebody coming with a cheap shot or something like that. The refs don't even right. protect us. Like I don't even want to no, play with them. That's facts. Uh, so the last thing before we get out of here, um, you talked about Wilson getting, I think, the helmet. So he must be getting the the plays. Is that what is that what it is? He's like the quarterback of the defense. He's the one that's going to be getting the the plays called in. Yep, they gave him the keys to the to the car. He's he's wearing the, he's wearing the radio this year. So everybody's looking for our nurse. Our next birthday is 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 Wilson. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm hoping that the only thing that, that somewhat scared me about Wilson, I I really love Logan Wilson. I think that he's gonna be a great player for the Bengals. The only thing that I'm wondering is I know he had some concussion issues last year. Maybe it was that the games were too far away to even risk him being out there. I'm not sure. I'm not a doctor. I probably should have asked Pro Football Doc about that last year. Um, but I hope that he can stay healthy and you know obviously that is a dangerous thing when you when you talk about those concussions I, I just think about when Tez used to have him and kind of be out a couple of games but I think that he's more than capable and ready for that um, I think he's a smart player can't wait to see him out there can't to see can't wait to see what he does and takes a step there uh, but uh, hold on somebody said why y'all leaving so soon let me ask you a couple quick a couple <laughs> things because I know people are starving for information insight from camp I'm going to tell you a couple of things that I noticed. I noticed that Awuzie has been in the correct spots and a lot of different things. I wanted to break down a couple plays where 
Uno been going crazy. One thing that I want everybody to know, and I'm gonna get your take on some things that maybe you've noticed. It might you guys have been watching the clips in the background. Um, one thing that I noticed about Jamar is that I don't know if I quite noticed this as much, is that he's got this stride to him. It it is it's so different watching him, like the way that he runs his routes. They come off like super, super smooth, and he's way more of a route technician than I think anybody probably ever gave him credit for. Most of the highlights that you'll see of Uno doing like really good stuff, it's just like him early on being able to do some things. And and in the balls that they're a lot contested, I had caught like a couple different things because people that don't know, me and Ace both play corner. And I was pointing out some things that, I think on a couple of routes that I noticed, he was thinking at the top of the route. It, it, and it didn't right. have to be a double move. It didn't have to be like, I think he was running a slant one day. And I'm thinking if I'm a corner, he helped the woozy A out on one of those plays. Um, I wish I had the clip rolled up. But one of the things that he was doing at the top of the route is like, he gives him like a little hezzy. And one thing about his game is like, he's got a twitch to him that it's hard to catch and you don't want to get beat with his speed. One thing about Higgins is I know that if I'm playing corner at him, I know he's going to outbody me. Mike Thomas is of the world. Galladay's of the world. I know they're going to outbody me. So I'm going to try to lean in. I'm going to try to lean in with my left shoulder and get inside and cut under if I, if I can. And I'm sitting on that a lot more. With Jamar Chase, I'm not. I don't really know what he's going to do. But I feel like in a couple of those different plays, he's getting to the top of it and he's about to break and he, and he does a heady, a heady and he thinks. When he gets past thinking, it's going to click and he's going to flow through it. Because on those out routes and the different things that he's doing where he wasn't thinking, it's nothing you could do as a defender. You don't want to get beat. The only thing that I would have had that could probably work on my favor is I know where the chains are. If I know where the chains and the fact that the line, I know the line is an elite. But right. the, that's where Joe Burrow improvising is just a killer. Like, for a guy like Jamar Chase, like, if you've ever played defense or whatever, like, there's nothing you could do. Uh, e I mean, even the Tyler Boys and T. Higgins of the world, there's nothing you could do if the quarterback improvises and gets extra time. But at the top of the routes, once he gets and he knows the playbook really well, he's going to be unstoppable. And Tyler Boy made a, a comment earlier today where he was just like, I just don't know if teams start blitzing somebody's going to be open. It's feel, I feel like he's been watching our show. But that, <laughs> oh, that, yeah. but but he, he mirrored everything that we've been saying about these three guys playing. It's just not normal. People could try to show me, like, the Buccaneers and the very best wide receivers of the National Football League, the Dallas Cowboys of the world or whatever. Cool. I, I believe in those guys, and I think they're really, really good. I just don't know that anybody has this, this in their prime. Like, what you're seeing right in their prime, no major injuries. Like, where is that? And, and that's something nobody could tell me. They'll just fight it and tell me something else. But I just noticed that some things in, in Jamari Chase's game that I didn't know. Like, his route running already is really, really good. The only times that I've seen him un being stopped was an underthrown ball. Or if he hesitates at the top of a route instead of just cutting and breaking and bursting up. Because if he burst up on – if he burst up into the route – and, and I'm in that backpedal stage. When he got into that hezzy and he plants and he sticks for that half a second, I want that. Because now, now I've regrouped. Now I've recentered. Now I'm not now I'm not going this way or I'm not this way. I've now recentered. So now 
that's the one thing I would tell him if I got a chance to tell him was like, I don't give a shit what you do, run it. You know, just just so run two, what you're gonna run your stuff. Two things I want to talk about. One, I want to get your list of some players like going into camp that you're looking for that might be sleepers or that you're looking to like when you're scouring Twitter for the updates that are coming from there. Who are some of the people that you're looking at? Or when you're looking in the videos, I need five players from you. And then I want to talk about the Jesse Bates situation because I think the Bengals actually have some leverage here with him coming out and saying that he eagerly wants to like sign and, and get extended here. But let's talk about your five your five players that you can just think we 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 freestyle this guys. This is no secret. Me and Zim don't have a script, so we have reference points and stuff like that. But off the dome. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give mine first. Yeah, so you I'm go first. I'm about to say go first. That way I can stall and act like I just knew. I'm gonna say uh one of the people that I'm looking for is I'm gonna say Khalid Kareem. I've talked about that before, so I kind of want to see what he's gonna do. Uh obviously you talk about Puka. We gotta see it. I mean, I'm you guys have me excited about the Puka train right now. So I think Puka is another guy that I'm looking for. Um, how he's going to play, what he's going to do. I think, honestly, Riley Reef. that's not really a sleeper, but I just want to see, like, what the addition of Riley Reef to this offensive line during the preseason and in camp is going to be. Trey Hendrickson, I think, as well. Um, and I think if I have to go with another one, I think a Wuzier, you already know, I've been, we've been sharing clips and stuff like that on a Wuzier. So those are some of the sleeper guys um, that might be, on the radar or under the radar that I'm that I'm just kind of looking at throughout this whole process. What about you, Zem? For me, my number one is going to be uh, like like sleeper, right? I I don't mm -hmm. know if he's a sleeper to us, but Darius Phillips is a guy that I I don't know, like you know, like there's there's very few clips that you could find him getting beat or anything like that, and he's always where he's got to be, even in the games that people were the most critical on him last year. He was in the spot; he just didn't make a play. He's the one defender on our team that I think takes chances, and I really like that about him. And then he's also a big threat in the punt return game, so I really, really want him to get his shine because if the Trey Wayne's thing doesn't go the way that it, that we wanted to go or Wuzier doesn't go the way that he wants it to go, I think the Bengals need to really like, you know, hedge their bets that way. Um that's one. Now um I want to see Jermaine Pratt. I want to see this is a make or break year. Like he's on the outside looking in, like possibly. So Jermaine Pratt's another guy. I think Hendrickson is going to be the third guy because he's got a lot to fill. I know what Sam Hubbard is. And I know a lot of people are like probably thinking I'm super critical on him because I, I think I was on Facebook because everybody now I'm on Facebook. I don't know if you guys know I'm on Facebook now. So that's a crazy world out there. But they love Sam Hub Sam Hubbard on, on Facebook. If I didn't know any better, I would think that Sam Hubbard was Miles Garrett on Facebook. That I don't know. But <laughs> you guys love him. So I guess I love him too. But he's really good against the run. I know what he's going to give me every year. His motor's going to be unstoppable. But he is not the athletic freak that I look for in an edge defender that's going to wreck a game in a big, meaningful game in the AFC North. That's what I'm looking for. So I'm looking for him to step his game up. So those are the two edge guys right there. And then the fifth guy, let's go with – I'm going to go with Puka too. Because, I, I mean, if he's the crowd favorite – 
just like a couple years ago, I remember I was sending out behind the scenes. There's probably somebody in here that probably could tell you. I was giving out Odd and Tate shirts. It was a shirt that said Odd and Tate. Yeah, I remember that. Something. I forgot what it said. I gave them out to like four or five people. I think we need to start up like a puka train. Another guy. I'm going to tell you another guy under the radar. You ready for this? This is big under the radar. This is number six. Frank the Tank Pollock, the people's champ. I feel okay. like at the end of the day, you know, like by, by the time we get to week two or week three, I just think that Frank the Tank is going to make his mark on his team. And Frank the Tank is a big part of what we're doing. If Jackson Karma doesn't work out, you know, whatever, it's because Frank the Tank made the call and we're, and we're hitting the ground running with the guys that we got and it is what it is and we don't care because we got our starting five and we're out there smashing people and we're going to bring back the nasties. I'm looking for the nasty boys. Pause. Pause. <laughs> That is pause. The whole uh, concept. No, we, we're looking for the nasties. That's what Frank Tank. I can't, Tank, I can't that. believe I forgot to bring him out, and he's catching the pass right now. Uh, Trent well, no, Irwin catching Trent, uh, Trent Taylor, not Trent Irwin. That's my bad. That was Trent Irwin that just caught the pass. But Trent Taylor, I'm interested in seeing. Like, I just get Dan Sizenbacher vibes. You feel me from from him um, with one of those random slot receivers. But let's talk about. Uh, Jesse Bates in this situation, bro, because I honestly feel like he wants to be a Bengal. It's known that he wants to be a Bengal. He wants to get a job done or he wants to get something done right now. Uh, why won't they just do it? I, for me, the leverage has to be in the Bengals corner right now. I, I have to imagine when I've heard, you know, and I can't speak exactly for Jesse or them or anything like that, but I, re I seem to remember – I can't remember which extension it was, but one dude was just like, whatever Cincinnati is going to give me, if it's decent, I'm taking it. Like, just make sure that I'm a bingo. I want to be a bingo. It's, to me, it just seems like that's what Jesse would be saying to his agent. Like, I want to make it work here. Let's make it work. Whatever it takes to make it work, let's do it. Obviously, you want to get the best deal, but it seems like his mom is trying to figure out whether she can buy a house in the Natty and stuff like that. So they obviously want to be here. He's from Indiana. You know, a lot of his family can come and see him play play the games. And a lot of people don't think about that, right? Because people don't don't take into account how being in close proximity to your family so that everybody can go and travel to the games and actually see you, what that means to, to players. I mean, Khalid Kareem said that that was one of the reasons that he ended up going to Notre Dame with him being from Michigan. His family can come and watch him play. That matters. A lot of people think that it's just the money and stuff like that, but things like that matter. So I think that they should just get this done, bro. I mean, you know, the Bengals kind of know where their market is. I feel like it's a situation, and there's Trent Taylor right there. Um, it's a situation where both sides can make it work. What are your thoughts on how they get that done, and is it going to get done? I, I think it's going to get done 100%. Um, I just think, like I said, the Bengals are never going to be in the business of paying someone the highest at their field, right? Uh, I mean, at their given position. As luck would have it, safety isn't paid like the cornerback or the edge position. So this is the one instance where I just thought that, okay, they'll pay the safety more than anybody, right? The Jamal Adams deal, I think, is lingering, and maybe that's a part of it. Maybe they want to see where that gets done. But to me, Jamal Adams isn't the same 
You know, like that's not the same type of safety. So I, I don't know if they're looking for that to set the market or what. They have the money. They have the space. For them to come in a million or two million under would be silly to me. Like you said, they are getting a bit of leverage in the sense that they know that Jesse Bates wants to be there. He's not that type of guy that's just going to hold out or anything like that. And he's being and he's being real with them. You know, he's letting them know, like, hey, look, I'm going to I'm going to show out and I'm going to do my thing and I'm going to lead by example. So do me right and, you know, pay me what I, what I should. And I think his agent's probably saying my stats would show that I, I need to be the number one paid safety. And maybe the Bengals are like, I think you need to be the number three or four paid safety, I guess. You know, I, I, no, I don't, they, can't, they can't be that far apart, right? Yeah, I don't think it's, it's too far apart. Just don't get lost in the sauce unless it's the Midwest best barbecue sauce. Um, shout out to Midwest Best Barbecue. Uh, they are a close friend of the show. One thing that I found out, I was talking to some people and they were like, do they deliver? Yes, they do deliver. They actually deliver straight from their website, MidwestBestBarbecue.com. Yes, so sir. Within a five-mile radius of their address, 669 um, Justice Lane and Loveland, they actually deliver. If not, though, you're still in luck because... I know we've gotten used to door dashing. I know I door dash. I know Zim door dashes. So if you if if you with the door dash gang, you can also door dash that Midwest Best Barbecue. Get you some Grippo wings and turn up. Watch some training camp highlights. What maybe you could watch it during the show while me and Zim. If you're watching this tomorrow and it's lunchtime, go ahead and hit oh. them up and get you some wings. Yeah, I want I wanted to say everybody's going to be out there tomorrow. I'm sorry, guys. We can't be out there because we just got to live our lives and I got bills to pay and I wish I could come and hang out with there and, 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 and dap you guys up. And well, we might be in. there week one. We might do something at Midwest Best Barbecue. You oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. On us. But, but what know? I was... Everybody that goes out there tomorrow, make sure y'all take videos and stuff. Send us stuff. Send us like stuff, uh, you know, which, which you've been out there camp. If you're out there, send if you wear your whole lot of orange, like I had over 180, I think we're at 180 shirts or whatever out. If you got a whole lot of orange shirt, wear that. If you got your Migos shirt that Aces got in the background over there, wear it out to camp. Let people know that we out there and we represent because we can't be there. And if you want to get a shirt, Zimhuday.com, newstripecity.com. I don't have one right now, but where I'm from is another partner that we're working with too. Official licensed uh, merchant for Joey B stuff right now. We're working with them. There's not too many people working with them like we are. So we're doing that too. Ace has got the link in his bio for that. I'm going to put the link. I'm going to post this shirt up later on today too. So we want to see you guys represented out there because the the I forgot what they're calling it, but the welcome back um saturday thing is is coming on so by the time you guys hear this i'm hoping we should put this out like right now right because yeah we're gonna put this, it out tonight there's gonna be a lot of stuff that happens tomorrow i think that you know kind of steals the show a little bit so we want to make sure that you guys uh represent tomorrow though no nah, that's facts we appreciate y'all for repping for us since we can't be there so yeah that's gonna be dope for me and zim to see that please be sure to send us that information and stuff like that on Zim's Instagram at Zim underscore Hude. You can find me on Instagram at New Stripe City, at New Stripe City on Twitter, uh, all one word, and at Zim Hude on Twitter, all one word. Um, so please be sure to do that. And Zim, we got to leave him with a yes. Sirski. Hello, world. What separated your deep ball from everybody else? My deep ball, it has a little secret sauce to it, man. 
<laughs> uh, never get too high, never get too low, but just keep moving. The, the whole story is Carlos never beat me in any kind of sport.